Praise the Lord. Amen. Wednesday night on the way home from church service, we had a we had a wonderful conversation, didn't we? And Maddie was with us. Nathan was a little bit under the weather. It was just me and the girls. And uh, asked, uh, I asked Maddie to step inside, and me and Avery kept talking, and right there in the driveway in the pickup truck, she gave her heart to Jesus. Amen. We praise God for His grace and His mercy. His love for us is everlasting from everlasting. Amen. And we're so thankful. We're proud what God is doing in our family, what God's doing in our church. And uh, the Lord is good. Amen. The Lord certainly is good. Uh, we are so, so thankful. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis, chapter number 16. Genesis chapter number 16 this morning. We believe it. Uh, we believe it takes it takes the whole package. I believe that I believe it's so important to raise your children in church. It's so important to uh, include into their lives other people who are also believers. It's so important to bring them to Sunday school and Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. If it wasn't for Wednesday night church on the way back home, we wouldn't have been having the conversation that we were having. And I thank God for all of that. Amen. Um, it's so important as parents that you, not that uh, Brittany and I are the perfect example, but it's so important that you, uh, you, you live the gospel in front of your children, that the gospel becomes... Uh, the language of your home, the direction of your home. It's so important to uh, share the gospel with your children. It's certainly the, one of the necessities of parents, of being a parent. And I want to encourage you, too, to grow in faith. Keep reading your Bible. Continue to through your Bible reading plan. I want to encourage you to do that, too. But you, it's so important to know the gospel so you can share the gospel with people in your own family. And that you can be the one who wins them to the Lord. That God could use you. That God can arrange a conversation with you. And if you'll get your heart ready, God can use you. And uh, you'll never know what God can do in your family. Amen? Amen. Genesis chapter number 16. We're going to begin at verse number 1. Genesis 16, verse number 1. I'm proud of Avery. I, told, I asked her, I said, would you like to tell the church what happened to you? And that is what, that is, that is what happens when you get born again. It's something that happens to you. Christianity isn't, uh, I heard it put, and I've shared this with you before, it's not like putting on a coat and taking it off. It's not like picking up a bag and carrying it for a little while and then setting it off to the side. The gospel of Jesus Christ is something that happens to you. Becoming a Christian is an event. It is a new birth. It is the passing away, the death of an old life the beginning of a brand new life in, the, in Christ Jesus. It's something that happens to you. It's, uh, it's, it's more than just something that I'm going to do this. No, it's what God does in you, what the Lord does, what Jesus does. And you look at all the conversions of the Bible, especially the greatest example I think of this is the Apostle Paul. Paul has no, no idea what's fixing to happen to him. Paul has other things on his mind. And then what happened to him? Jesus intersected his life. Jesus is the great author and the finisher of your faith. 
He's the one that starts the whole process. And you might think, well, yeah, I, I chose to come to Jesus. But you would not choose to come to Jesus unless first He loved you. You wouldn't have a way unless He first died for you. And He died for your sins before you ever existed. So God is the initiator of salvation. Amen? And we're thankful for what God is doing. All right, Genesis chapter 16, verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. The Bible says, Now Sarah, which will become Sarah, Abram's wife, which we'll know as Abraham, bear him no children. So Abraham's wife is barren, of course. Now this is in the context that God has been telling them that Abraham, you're going to have a child. Remember, remember chapter 15, verse 7. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. So God is saying, Abraham, you're going to have a child. Remember, it's not, it's not going to be Eleazar, his servant. It's not going to be, as we're going to find out, it's not going to be Ishmael. No, it's going to be through Abraham and Sarah. And so she's barren, though, in chapter 16. Verse number 1, she has no children. And this is in the context that God says you're going to have a child, but still yet they wait. And she has no children. And so in verse number 2, Sarah has a plan. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my maid, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Sarah. Verse number 3. And Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. So this is more than just a mistress. Or this, she, Abraham is marrying Hagar. Verse number 4, And he went in into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, or Sarah saw, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And so Sarah is jealous now of Hagar. And Sarah looks at Hagar with, as, in disgust. Now I see what Sarah's dealing with, don't you? That, that Hagar can bear children, but I can't. That I'm the, she's, she's thinking, I'm the true wife of Abraham. I can't bear a child, but Hagar can. So she's introduced a lot of complexity into the family, hasn't she? And there's a lot of drama that didn't exist before. Now it does. In verse number 5, And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes, the Lord judge between me and thee. And now it's teaching in their marriage. So now Sarah's saying, it's your fault, Abraham. My wrong be upon thee, Abraham. And she's dealing with a lot of toxicity now that she didn't have to deal with before. And what is happening? The obvious answer is they're diverting from the will of God. They're diverting from God's plan it will always lead to drama. Amen? It will always lead to unneeded complexity. It will always get harder. It will always become more toxic. It will always be overly dramatic. If they would just wait, it would be easier. Waiting is hard. We know that. 
But this is a hard way too. And the Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard, isn't it? It is difficult to live that life. In verse number 6, But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thine hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And Sarai dealt hardly with her, and she fled from her face. Our Heavenly Father, today we thank you, Lord, for new birth. We thank you, Lord, for worship. We thank you, Lord, for those returning back to you in renewed faith, renewed repentance. God, you are truly working in our congregation. And Lord, we worship you and praise you. We're surrounded today by testimonies of grace, salvation, mercy. Lord, hearts being reclaimed. Lord, burdens for other lost people. Prayers going up for the sick and the afflicted. Hearts, Lord, seeking after those who are unconverted. Lord, worshiping You because You are great. How great Thou art, there is none like Thee. Lord, we thank You that truly the Word of God is in this place. Lord, Your Word is in our hearts. Your Spirit, Lord, is moving among us. And Lord, we worship You and praise You. We hear it with our ears and witness it with our eyes. And Lord, truly, God, we thank You that You are among us and You're dealing with us through the Gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Lord, I pray now You'll take Your Word and You'll continue the great work that You're doing. Lord, help me. Forgive me of my sins. And Lord, I pray You'll do a work and You'll move among us through this Word. Help us to believe it, receive it, and to do it according to Your will. In Your name, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. So Hagar becomes Abraham's wife. Now, I I want you to resist the temptation, though, to not think any less of Hagar. She She is no lesser of a person than Abraham or Sarah. And sometimes we think about her as if somehow she's the cause of all of this. I think I lay more blame on Sarah and Abraham than I do Hagar. And it's easy for us to think about Hagar with, some, with a little bit of, of disgust, but we need to resist the temptation from that. Because there is none that seeketh to understand, there is none that doeth good, there are all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I know we hold Abraham, obviously, in high regard because he is a patriarch and the father of faith. But he needed faith just like you and I did. And he's prone to wonder, and we've seen it through this teaching and preaching throughout the life of Abraham. He's no more prone to wonder than you are, nor you as he is. And so let's not look at Hagar and think, well, she's the cause of all of this trouble. She certainly has a role to play in it. But let's not overly blame her for this problem in her life. Oftentimes we do that, don't we? We look at someone who we are less sentimental towards. Maybe someone not in the family bloodline. Or maybe an outsider that's come in. And we'll lay all the sin upon them instead of dishing it out accordingly as it should be. We think, I often think a lot about young, young people. They make a mistake or, and there's a pregnancy unplanned. I'm glad, though, that God, though He doesn't condone it, and though God has certainly taught us through Scripture the order of love, marriage, and childbearing, but I'm glad that God, although He doesn't condone it, that God still loves sinners when they make mistakes. Amen? And He still cares for them no matter the choices they make in their life. 
And maybe you're this morning, you might have messed up in your life. I'm glad to tell you that God loves you, God cares about you, and God, if you'll follow Him even after the mess, the mess or the mishap, God can get you out of the trouble that you're in. God can deliver you. God can save you through His Son, Jesus Christ. And God can establish your goings. What does that mean? It means that God can put you on a proper path. That in spite of your background, God can still redeem and rescue you from your trouble. In spite of your hardship, in spite of the mistakes you made, God can still help you. Amen? I think about young couples. Maybe there's a mistake according to that line of thinking. Where the man that's involved in the mistake, they may be teenager, he doesn't visibly bear the visible reminder of that sin. But the young lady who also participated, she's showing now. Maybe she's several months pregnant and she bears all the shame and all the sinful responsibility for that mistake that was made. You might think, well, it wasn't a mistake. We meant to do it. Then it's twice the mistake then if you meant to disregard God's plan. Amen? But we often think, well, she's the one who bears the brunt of the criticism. But he also played a role, didn't he? And though some sins aren't public, also beware, your sins will find you out. And what's done in secret, God will proclaim it on the housetops. And certainly we don't get away with anything in this life, I've learned. But don't bear, don't be so hard on Hagar. Because she also has other co-conspirators in this deed. We, we see here, first, let me, right off the bat, doesn't this seem like a terrible idea? It's a bad idea, isn't it? If you were Sarah's friend, wouldn't you say, I don't think that's going to work out like you have it planned. Surely Sarah had a friend that she confided in. Listen, if you're ever Sarah's friend in this case, you really do everything you can to convince them to not do something like this. If it seems like a bad idea, it's a bad idea. If it seems like it can go wrong, it usually goes wrong, don't it? This is a terrible idea. If it's a terrible idea, it's a terrible idea. Notice how toxic this little mix of temptation is. This is always the way it is in our lives. You apply this to your life from your experience and beware. Sarah is tempted to please Abraham. So she's thinking, I'm going to do whatever it takes to please my husband. There's a lot of relationships that get in trouble because one or both say, I'm going to do whatever it takes to please my spouse. It shouldn't be always whatever it takes. It should be whatever God says or whatever God allows. You take the will of God to the max, but don't say whatever it takes. And Sarah's willing to do whatever it takes to please her husband with a child. Hagar is tempted with the urge to obey her master Sarah. Sometimes people of authority over our lives will try to get us to do something wrong. It may not be a spouse or a friend, but it, might, you, I, it seems like we know after the fact that Sarah and Hagar, they're not friends anymore. Maybe they were before. 
But we do know that Sarah is in a position of authority over Hagar. Listen, young ladies and young men. Don't ever allow somebody with a position of authority over you to tempt you outside of the will of God. God is our absolute authority. Remember, the Bible is the final authority on earth. The final authority over human beings. It's the final authority over human history. It'll be the final authority over future prophecy. Sarah is in a position of authority. And let those of us who are over someone or a position of authority, an authority figure, whether it be a pastor, a mom, a dad, a deacon, a supervisor, a neighbor, a football coach, a baseball coach, a cheerleading coach, who, if there are people under us, let's make certain that we are not tempting them to disobey the will of God. If we bear authority over someone's life, God has placed us in that position of authority. If we have influence over somebody else's life, then let us humbly bear it with a great sense of spiritual responsibility. That since people listen to me, if you're an influencer, if you can influence other people's lives, then do not tempt them to sin against God. It can wreck their lives. Don't use your position of authority and influence to manipulate what you want. It hurts people. It ruins people's lives. Sarah, Hagar, is tempted to listen to this voice of authority over her life. And since people are inclined to listen to those who have authority over their lives, those of us who have it, let us be careful that we lead people to God and not lead them away from God. And Sarah is leading Hagar away. Hagar is tempted of this because Sarah has authority over her life. Abraham was tempted in his flesh, obviously, with Hagar. He's tempted in his flesh through the permission of his wife. And so somebody that you love, let's look at the toxicity of this circle of temptation. Abraham is tempted with another woman through his wife. So what does it do to Abraham's mind? It's, it is deceptive, isn't it? The, that normally the big block or the hang-up is the spouse. But Sarah is saying, here, lie with my handmaid. Bear a child with her. So it's cutting the edge off. And so Abraham is now dealing with his flesh and also the desire to bear a child. And the devil also intervenes in these situations. And he, I'm sure he's whispering to Abraham, didn't God say through thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed? Abraham, you're doing the right thing. I bet that's what the devil is saying. You're doing the right thing, Abraham. Hagar is saying you're doing the right thing. Sarah is saying you're doing the right thing. It seems like everybody around Abraham is telling him he's doing the right thing with the exception of one most important person. God. The question is, does God give us the permission? That's what we need to deal with. What we should wrestle with, does God grant permission? 
And if God isn't, it's a big no. It should be a no. Whether your mom says it or your dad says it or your pastor says it or the deacon says it or the deacon's wife says it or your wife says it or your husband says it or your football coach or your cheerleading coach or your school principal or the president or the senator or the county commissioner, if they say it but it's contrary to the will of God, it is wrong. It's wrong. The cocktail of temptation. See how layered it is? It's it's never so clear, is it? So Abraham is dealing with this. Temptation always comes that way. And we need to be careful. Why does the devil want this stuff stopped? Because the devil overheard God tell Abraham, through thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. The simple truth is, God does not want, the devil rather, does not want your family to be blessed. He wants to destroy it. The devil wants to wreck your life. Do you know that? And he presents, he presents temptation in a way that it seems like everybody's on board with it. Everybody's going for it. This is going to be good for you. You're going to get what you always wanted. If you'll do it, it'll be great. If you'll follow the devil's plan, he says, it'll be awesome. You know what he's trying to do? He don't care about you. He don't care about your wife, your kids, your family. He don't care about nothing about you. I'm talking plain. You hear me? The devil don't care about you. He wants to rob you of everything that God wants to bless you with. He wants to murder everything good in your life. He wants to destroy you and wreck you and destroy everything that God has planned for your life. And He'll do it through the voice of a friend. He'll do it through the permission of a spouse. He'll do it through the permission or the, or the urging of an authority figure over your life. He'll do it and wrap it in the concealment of this is what you've always wanted. And then when he's done with you, your life is falling apart and it's wrecked. Where are you going, devil? It was asked of him. Where have you been? What have you been up to? He said, oh, I've just been walking to and fro. Where have you been walking to and fro? Oh, all about the earth. I've been all about the earth, up and down. I've went down Vermont. I've went down Virginia Avenue. I went to Dove Lane. I, I went to Park Road. I, I, I went down Hickory Valley. I, I went down Merchants Drive. I went up Broadway on all the side streets of Broadway. I've been to your house and to your house and your house. And I went to your kids' schools. I sat with a meeting with the principal. I, t- I went to the White House. I went to the the Congress. I tell you what, I've been everywhere. What have you been doing, devil? I've been everywhere. Been roaming around. What are you up to, though? I'm just seeking whomever I may devour. It's what I'm doing. If it seems like a terrible idea, it's a terrible idea. Amen. Now also, there's a lack of faith here in Sarah and Abraham's life. They're trying to game the system. And the system is providence. And God said, and I'll read it again, chapter 15, verse number 4, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And so Sarah is pretty clever. And sin is always clever, isn't it? And Sarah comes to Abraham and she says, hey look, 
I, I can't have a child. Verse number 2, And Sarah said to Abraham, Behold, now, chapter 16, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. But you know what? God didn't say that you can't have a child. And so what is Sarah doing? It's pretty clever, isn't it? She's trying to game the system. And so God says, Abraham, through thy bowels, through thy loins, through thy genetic line, you get the point, you're going to have a child. And Sarah's thinking, well, apparently it's not going to be through me, Abraham. It needs to be through somebody else. But it'll still be through you. It'll just be through, through not through me. Do you see the deception of this? See, they're trying to gain God's providence. And God said it's going to be through you all. It's going to be through you. It's not going to be through anybody else. It's going to be through you. Sarah is tired of waiting. And instead of waiting on God, she's trying to manipulate God's plan to permit her to do something wrong in the name of doing something good. You don't have to do this stuff. Let God work things out. Live by faith. You don't have to do this stuff. Just wait. You don't have to make it complicated. Just wait, just relax and wait upon God. You don't have to manipulate God's system. You don't have to game and help God's providence. Just wait on God. Amen? How many of us, just, I've done that before. I wish I just waited. Haven't you? I build stuff with my hands at work. It's one of the most annoying things if you build stuff. If somebody comes along right in the middle of it, I'm not done yet, okay? Somebody comes along right in the middle of it, and they say, well, that's not done yet. You going to put a hole in there? I'm thinking, I'm still working on it. Well, you hadn't bent that piece of metal yet. Yeah, I know, I'm not done yet. Does that annoy you like it does me? You ever painting a wall and somebody cut? You've got the roller in your hand. You're currently painting. <laughs> your roller is wet. Your husband, your wife comes along and they say, you missed a spot. It's annoying, isn't it? <laughs> what do you think when that happens? I'm not done yet. I am currently painting. I have the roller in my hand. I am not finished yet. We do the same thing to God. That's what Sarah is doing to God. God is painting a beautiful picture. If only we'll wait, but we can't wait, and we can't wait, and we start helping, but we're not good painters. We're terrible at managing our lives. We always make bad choices, especially when moments of, moments of pressure, and instead of waiting on God, we manipulate God's providence over our lives, and it always, always, always is a terrible idea. Always. I'm going to give you some application, and I'll be through today. Here's some application. Here's how this story can help our lives. Number one, get deception out of your family. Get deception out of your family and out of your life. There seems to be some deceptive behavior in this genetic bloodline. Have you noticed that? So Abraham twice says that Sarah is not my wife and lies 
to save his own skin and to get out of trouble. Sarah here is being deceptive. She's trying to manipulate God's plan to move God's plan forward, but they wouldn't even know this was the plan if God hadn't told them, but she is being deceptive in her behavior. It, it, it even goes genetically into their line. Rebecca and Isaac. Isaac also lies and says, Rebecca is not my wife because she's good looking, I guess, because he also, and he's learned this behavior from his father. Even when Isaac is old and the, the Bible says that God said that the, that the older is going to serve the younger, speaking of Jacob and Esau. And Rebekah heard this, and so Isaac's going to bless Esau, and instead of Rebekah going and talking to Isaac and having a conversation with her husband, she becomes deceptive and she concocts this whole idea to put on Esau's clothes on Jacob, put on goatskin on his arm, and he steals the blessing from Esau. She's being deceptive. And all of this leads to drama in Isaac's life, Rebekah's life, Esau's life, Jacob's life, here in Sarah's life, Hagar's life, Abraham's life, because they are constantly being deceptive to get what they want, or to save their skin. And all through the life of Abraham and his family, this deception to save or to make their life more comfortable always leads to more and more trouble. Stop being deceptive. Be honest with your family. Talk to your family. Let people know in your family what you're struggling with, what you deal with. Don't manipulate people that you love. Don't game God's system of providence. If God wants you to wait, just wait. Don't scheme and trick and supplant your way through life because it always, listen to me carefully, it always hurts people. It causes children out of wedlock to be born. Breaks up marriages. Harms children. Live honestly among your kinfolk, in your church. Stop being sneaky and deceptive and clever. Give your heart to Jesus. Surrender your life to God. And stop living a hidden life outside of the perception of what you put on that people see. Live honestly and circumspectly and live in the daylight because He's called us to live in the light. We don't have to sneak and plot and twist and scheme and walk in the shadows. Stop it! And be honest. And live a life that you can be honest all the time in front of your wife. And wives, live a life that you can be honest all the time in front of your husband. And don't put yourself in situations where you're scheming and plotting because it always leads to more trouble. And once the trouble starts, you can't control it anymore. Here's the application. Get the deception out of your life. And get it out of your family's life. And don't pass it on down to your children. The drama stops with you. And today, all the deception, 
and all the scheming and all the trickery and all the plans. It's complicated. It always has to be. If you live honestly, you can live simply. If you live honestly, it can be easier. If you don't live with all this trickery going on, you don't have all these sins and lies to cover up. Imagine this is the case of Rebecca and Isaac. What she now, now her husband has to deal with the fact that his wife tricked her him and brought in his youngest son and put on Esau's clothes and put on goat skin and she made the food that Esau was going to prepare for Isaac to give to him and now Isaac's laying in bed as an old man and he's half blind and now he's dealing with this stuff the last few months of his life that his wife lied to him his son had to flee for his life his other son's mad and wants to kill his other son all because of what? Deception. Why don't they just talk to each other? Why didn't Rebecca just go to Isaac and say, Hey, remember what God said? Remember that God said that the, that the older is going to serve the younger? Remember Isaac when they were born? Remember what happened? That Jacob came out first and there was a struggle. Do you remember what happened? The Esau first, then Jacob. Do you remember? Why don't they just talk? To each other. You know what I feel like today? I think this is really helping somebody if you'll hear it. I think God is speaking to you today about this. Stop being so deceptive. Quickly, here's some application. I won't, I won't go here and read it, but go to Proverbs 5, make a note of it, read it. Men, be devoted to your wife. Here's what we learned from this lesson. Why didn't Abraham say, no, you're my, you're my lady, not Hagar? It would have saved a lot of trouble, wouldn't it? Let's, let's, let's fast forward a little bit. This deception, this dishonesty, this trickery, this temptation led to what? Hagar gets pregnant. She has Ishmael. Then Sarah gets pregnant because God said it's going to come through there, and it did. And then Ishmael's picking on Isaac, and then Ishmael gets basically exiled from the family. And all this drama's going on, and you know what? It's still going on today. Ishmael is still fighting with Isaac today. It's still going on. After it happens, you might wish it could be a different way, but the only way to keep it from happening is don't let it happen. Because once it happens, once trouble begins in your family through deception and trickery and subplanting, let's be honest. Let's be honest. It's never the same, is it? It's never the same. You'll be sitting on a graveside and there's still tension from what happened 20 years ago. Get it out of your family. Amen? Number two, here's the application. Hurrying along. Men, be devoted to your wife. You got one wife. You ain't got two. I want to make a joke here. One's enough trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Now you got another one. If I was Abraham's friend, Bryson, I'd be like, dude, you sure about this? It takes a, you know why God wants to stay married? It takes a lifetime to figure Brittany out. You know? <laughs> you really want another wife? 
You don't think that's going to make it complex? I know we're not, we're not polygamy as it practices today. But, okay, let's just let, forget the paperwork. You really think another lady's going to make it less complicated? You're going to be with somebody else. You don't, you don't think that's going to bring some unneeded drama to the Thanksgiving dinner? It's going to be kind of complicated from this point on, isn't it? And here's what she's going to do when she's 87. She's going to be laying there sometimes thinking about it. Now thankfully, and listen to me, praise God for forgiveness. Praise God they can lay together at 80-something years old and be forgiven, but also know what the devil does, even though they've forgiven each other. He is an accuser of the brethren, and he whispers constantly a reminder of what's happened in the past, don't he? The Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices, so let's not give him a chance to bring up dirt if there ain't any. Husbands, be devoted to your wife. But ladies... The opposite, be devoted to your husband. Look up Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verses 10 through 13. Ladies, make a note of that. We won't go there. We're running out of time. Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verses 10 through 13. The, the, state, the statement, she, she says, I belong. says, I am my beloved's, apostrophe S. What she's saying is that I belong to my husband. Not, not a, don't you think, I'm not, that's not taught at all in the sense of a slave. You read the book Song of Solomon. She belongs to her husband. She wants to be with her husband. She's devoted to her husband. And he to her, she loves her husband. Ladies, be devoted to your husband. Lastly, the application. Wait upon the Lord. He'll work it out. He will work out your problem. You don't have to be deceptive and clever. You don't have to introduce sin to solve a godly problem. And that's what they did. They're introducing sin to solve a godly problem. But you know what? Godly problems ain't problems at all. Because God always works things out according to His goodwill and His counsel. God has a plan. So listen, stop thinking that God don't have one because that's not living by faith. Living by faith is understanding, I might not know what's going on today, I might not understand why God's making me wait, but I'm not going to live my life thinking that God don't have a plan. God has a plan. He has a plan for your life. So when you, you surrender to Him, if you don't know Christ, you surrender to Him through, through repentance and faith, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, God has a plan. I think of that. I don't know what's going to happen in Avery's life, but I do know this. I know that God has a plan for her. I know he does. And I can face tomorrow and I can hold my little children knowing that God has a plan because he's alive and he arose from the dead and he does not sleep nor does he slumber. He doesn't grow faint and he doesn't grow weary. He doesn't need to rest. He doesn't need to take a nap. When my children are asleep, he's wide awake. God has a plan. So stop living your life as if he don't have one. So how do I know I'm doing that? Because you're trying to live according to your own ways. It always leads to trouble. Two passages of Scripture, and I'm through. I call this the discipline of faith. Have the discipline 
to believe God when it's hard or it takes forever. Be disciplined in your faith. Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Psalms 27, 14. Wait upon the Lord. Be of good courage. Be courageous while you wait. Be audacious while you're waiting. Wait upon Him with all courage. And He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now this plan of Abraham and Sarah was a very toxic, problematic, dramatic plan that brought unneeded problems in their lives. But here's the good news as we stand to get an invitation together. God even had a plan for their mistake. And God, thankfully, in spite of our mistakes, we are not irredeemable. We are not too far gone. God took care of Hagar too. Amen? God took care of Ishmael. God obviously took care of Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac. You are valuable to God. You know what's great about it? God said, even Ishmael, I'm going to make him a father of many nations too. That no matter what you've done, that God, in spite of your problems, heartaches, sufferings, and mistakes, that God can take all the bad in your life and He can turn it around for the good. Amen? This is the part of the service where this is offered to you. You might feel like you are the son of Hagar. You might feel maybe as a child, maybe you might feel illegitimate. Maybe you're the mistake of your mother or father. I'm glad that in God's universe there are no mistakes. One preacher said there is not one, there's not a maverick molecule in all the universe. All of them are in order according to his time. If your life began through a mistake, or even your life began through a problem, Jesus loves you. God has a plan for your life. I think about Hagar, don't you? The prostitute over there on the walls of Jericho. A prostitute. She was the only one through faith that survived. And through her, what do we have? Through a prostitute's lineage, we have King David. That God can use you to do amazing things for his kingdom and for his work. That you are not illegitimate. You are not unloved. You are not uncared for. Jesus loves you and cares for you. Amen. This morning, if you'd like to join my daughter in repentance and faith, I would encourage you today to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen. Maybe you're a Christian and your life has fallen apart because of your own mistakes. I'm glad that God is a God of second chances, aren't you? I'm glad that God didn't kick out Abraham and Sarah and Hagar so I'm done with you people. No, he still loved them, was patient with them. We've got a lot to learn yet, don't we? If there's a need this morning, you come. As we stand to our feet, what song are we going to sing? 375. Amen. Help us, Lord.